Hey, Relationship Transformers, welcome to the Relationship Transformer podcast. Today, we're going to dive into the most common fights that all couples have. I don't care how amazing your marriage is or how amazing you think someone else's marriage is. Without the tools that we're going to talk about today in today's episode, all couples will fight about this eventually. So let's cue it up and dive in. So the big question is this. How is it possible that one person alone can transform any relationship, save their marriage, create their unshakable love and unleash passion, divorce-proof their family without needing their partner to get on board and do this with them, and yet still get to be happily, authentically you without compromise? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. All right, think about these topics, parenting, Money, work, family of origin, religion, spirituality, health, education. Have you ever (laughs) fought over any one of these topics? Hmm. (laughs) And Uh, there's more. (laughs) Yeah, there's. you could keep going with that list. Here's the thing. These are real life topics and they pop up in the day-to-day of a real life relationship. When you're in a long-term relationship, these things and your perspectives on them are going to pop up. And so Paul and I created a tool that we teach called the accidental alignment predicament. The accidental alignment predicament is kind of like when you fall in love and you think, well, we fell in love, so we're going to see money the same way, right? Or we fell in love, so we're totally going to see this parenting thing the same way, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I know like Paul's laughing, you guys are laughing already, right? Because until that moment where something flies out of your partner's mouth towards one of your kids and you're like, oh my God, don't talk to Johnny that way. You're going to scar him for life. Here's the thing. The accidental alignment predicament is, hey, we're just going to see these things the same way until we don't. And then in the moment, fights and arguments start. You know, what happens is we kind of have this belief. There's like this inherent belief that, oh, we're just, we so get each other or we love each other. Like these won't be issues for us because we understand each other and (laughs) and we have a similar mindset until you've been in a long-term relationship and you start to realize actually new things have started up. Like we have children now and we didn't foresee this or we share money now. And then you find yourselves actually being confronted with these differences and feeling caught off guard, right? That's how it shows up. Like, wow, I didn't see this as being an issue. Why is this such a big deal? Yeah. That's how it evolves. And a lot of these things show up in the day-to-day. So just think of that list and how often are these things showing up in your day-to-day. Now, I'm just to tie it back for you, this accidental alignment predicament where you just think you're going to actually see things the same way and then you don't, it actually is based in demand relationship. So just to remember, demand relationship is where you tell other people how to change in order to make you happy, where you demand or, you know, ask people to do things in order to please you. And that's the opposite of what we teach relationship development. Demand relationship, just if you think back like 40 or 50 years, did a woman need to ask her husband's for alignment on how to parent children 50 years ago? No, she didn't. She had autonomy in that area and he didn't get involved. By the same token, 50 years ago, did a man need to ask his wife what he should do about his work 
and how he should handle their money? No, because he had autonomy in that and he didn't have to talk to her about that. See, demand relationship is I'm just going to, the way I see this goes and you're just going to have to deal with it. You're just going to have to get on board. And unfortunately, that mindset has rolled into this time when everybody's free and nobody believes that anymore. Like we all have a say, we all have ideas. Hey, I have strong ideas about how I want my kids raised. I have strong ideas about our money and our household. And I have dreams and wants for this too. And nobody wants to be steamrolled or convinced to let go of how they see it, their perspective. And that's the evolution. So keep it in mind, like no one has ever really had to cross these bridges before and have a real alignment conversation or alignment skills because they weren't really applicable back then. So we're finding ourselves rightly so. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's great that everybody has that say. It's great that everybody has an equal say in any topic. It should be that way. And And? (laughs) we've never had to learn how to do it. So no one has taught us. You know, it's really about the evolution that we needed. It's not about, oh, this freedom thing is a problem. No. (laughs) No, The lack of skills is a problem. It's just, it's the next evolution of freedom, right? And, And it's where we need to grow. That's all. Amen. So that's what we're going to talk about today is how to actually create alignment, true alignment in your relationship. Because that's why I say it doesn't matter how great you think your marriage is or how great you think someone else's marriage is (laughs) compared to yours. If you don't design intentional alignment into your marriage, into your family, you will fight about these things as they come up. I'll give you an example. Most women assume, or many women assume, that men are going to run a household with them and raise kids with them, right? We get into marriage, we get into family, and we think, okay, we're going to run the household together, we're going to raise kids together. But it's never actually talked about explicitly and planned. And women go into running a house and having kids with an invisible assumption about how he's going to participate, that he's just going to see it the same way I do. And he's going to see that the kid needs to get into a bath by the same time I see it. And that that's not an appropriate outfit or that they spit up on that. So they need to be changed. Or there's all these invisible assumptions that he's just going to see this the same way. And then it comes back to bite you in the ass because they don't see it the same way. They're wired completely the opposite of you. And it's not that he won't help or he can't. It's that it wasn't designed and planned out in a way that allows him to co-create the way he wants to do it too, the way he would like for his house to run too. And these things were never actually talked about. And so, so many times, and I support so many women who are so upset and so miserable because they feel like they do it all and everything about how the house is run and everything about what's going on with the kids is all on their backs and they're doing it all. And they're watching him sit there on his phone or sit there watching some stupid show or playing some stupid game and you're running around like a chicken without a head. There are invisible assumptions that, especially women, because we were uh, raised to not assert ourselves all that well, carry with us about, hey, you should see me hustle in here and pitch in. But men are wired differently than that. And so that invisible assumption, that accidental alignment that we're going to do this the same way, but we never really talked about it, we never really planned it, is going to come back to bite you in the ass. And I know that guys have that the same way as well. But there's another example that I can go through. Did you want to talk about that and about staying at home parents? 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what we see a lot in families is where one parent has decided to be the stay-at-home parent. And that could be the man, it could be the woman, it doesn't matter. But what we see is there's one person that decided to be the stay-at-home parent, and then there's fallout from that. So, Stacey, do you want, actually, I think, do you want to talk about that dynamic first? Yeah. So, we see this a lot, and this is such a great example because so many people can relate. Very often when kids are coming into the picture and we're looking at our finances and does it really make sense for us to get a nanny or put them in daycare or should one of us just stay home, right? Because it's more money than one of us makes. And we make these decisions based on what's the right decision for us, for the kid, or we, you know, really believe that one of us needs to be home with whatever it is. And we make that decision in a vacuum of what's the right decision? How is one of us going to stay home? And we do it. And we never actually design alignment around, okay, so how are we going to operate with one of us as a stay-at-home parent? And then later it comes back to bite us in the ass because there's an accidental alignment predicament that we fall into where you've got, let's take a mom, a stay-at-home mom, and she has, you know, an 18-month-old and is doing things and at one point realizes, or probably a lot sooner than this, hey, if I want to spend money on something, how do I do that? And then they're going to dad, their husband, and saying, hey, can we buy this outdoor furniture set? It's 400 bucks. And he's like, I don't really think so. Not right now. We have other bills coming in. She's like, oh, okay. And then she's like, well, can we do this trip? You know, my family wants to do this trip and I think it would be fun for me and, you know, David, you know, he's off for the summer and we could go and they don't have nursery or whatever. And I could go, but it's like 600 bucks. Can I do that? And he's like, well, maybe we can do that. And you get into a situation of a grown woman asking a grown man for permission to spend money because it was never discussed how are we going to manage our money if I'm not making my own money? My whole life I've made my own money. Now we decided I'm going to be a stay-at-home parent, but we never talked about how are we going to budget for a family? How are we going to make financial decisions for a family? And so we continue in this demand relationship paradigm of, well, in the past, I made my money, I spent my money. You made your money, you spent your money. So I guess if I'm not making money, then it's your money and I need to come to you and ask. And that is total crap. You cannot sustain that. And I'm picking this one because I would tell you about a hundred times a month, at least, I hear from stay-at-home moms who say, I desperately need your course to save my marriage, but I'm a stay-at-home mom and I don't have any money. And yes, I'm getting on my soapbox here because when a woman who is in her 40s and is raising children at home tells me that she doesn't have money, this is like, ridiculous. It's completely unfair for a grown woman to falsely believe that she doesn't have any money because she hasn't made any money. Your worth is not in you having a job outside the house. When one parent leaves the house to make money and the other parent stays home with the children, then the money that comes into that house was made by both of you because if the woman did not stay home with those children, the man is not leaving for work that day to go make that money. That is your money. That is your household's money. And together as adults, you need to decide how you're going to manage that and how you're going 
going to align so a woman doesn't feel like a kept woman or a little girl or a slave in her own home because she's not making the money and somehow it's his money. This is not okay. It's never going to be okay. The same thing applies to so many other examples from how the money is spent, to how the house is run, to how the parenting is done, to how time is managed, our invisible assumptions about what we're going to do with weekends and what you're going to do when you're not at work. And wait, what do you mean you're going to spend time with friends? I don't get to go spend time with friends. All of these things are accidental alignment predicaments because it was never intentionally designed. And you know, the money one is such a good example because I think it's easy for whoever's earning the money. And again, I don't want to just to say it's the man or the woman. Like it could be their side, right? So whoever's earning the money, it's easy to see like I'm the one who's providing the resources. So I should be the one who says, no, we do have the resources or we don't. And that's sort of the final word. And it's such a natural, like sort of knee-jerk reaction response from people. But as Stacy's example pointed out so well, it's not reality because again, if that other person wasn't staying at home with the kids, you're going to be like, you will not be able to make that money. You will not be able to have that job. You will not be able to have that career. If you wanted kids and you have kids, that's the responsibility. There is no separating. There's so much we could talk about in this one topic alone. I know it. But we really could do six episodes on the, this. The belief, this was you. When I was staying home with Jake and you went to work, this was you. Yeah. Like I'm going to work. And yet what I realized though is, you know, when you have kids, if you're going to be successful, at this, you start to realize really quickly when you have your first kid, a lot of us anyway, that look, we have to figure out when one of us is going to shower and the other one's going to shower, like, because somebody's <laughs> got to watch that kid constantly. You know, it really gets to be that difficult at times in the very early days of, of birth. And you start to realize like, we're no longer two people. Like we have to be coordinating and working together in order to be successful in keeping this kid alive. You realized you were not able to go to work unless I was staying home. So yeah, it like, was two of us making two one us. salary. And it's really clear, like someone's going to have to be with that kid at all times. And there's no ambiguity about it. Someone's got to take care of that child. And it really comes down to recognizing early on, if you want to be successful, you're no longer two people. Whether you decided to live that way when you were married as separate individuals, you know, living together in the same house, that's one thing. When you have a child, you are no longer separate when it comes to that child. Anyway, it's the same kind of a thing here is you can't separate the income when you have children with that example, because you're working together to support the family and the household, which all of your perspective should be changing around anyway. You're not an individual anymore who's now providing for some other individuals as if they were like people you met next door. Like they're literally, it's your family, it's your household and together your household either thrives or just survives or goes down the tubes. Amen. So it's not that you're the provider, whichever side this is, the masculine side or the feminine, and sort of I have the say because I'm providing. No, you're part of this household. You're part of this family. The family comes first, and there is no win-lose in any relationship. It's either win-win or lose-lose. So you, know, you can get rid of the false belief that, oh, I can win here and they can lose in this. No. You're all going to lose. It's just a matter of time. You might not have lost in that moment, but you're going to lose long term. So I'm saying it's a natural knee-jerk reaction to think, oh, I'm the provider, so I have the say in how this goes. Well, you can look at it that way, and it's just a matter of time before things it's start to- It's demand relationship. It's demand relationship, like all of it. It will fail. So you will pay that price one way or another later. And then, again, if your partner's losing in your family, whether that's your child, your spouse, you're all losing 
You just might not have lost, I'm saying that in air quotes, in the moment. So keep that in mind. You may have won the battle, but you're losing the war. Exactly. So we really need to get some clarity about what the dynamic is. Instead of just being the individual who goes through their lives with these knee-jerk reactions, it's about waking up. It's about becoming conscious to what's actually going on so you don't find yourself, let's say, surprised, which is where a lot of people find themselves saying, I never saw this coming. I never thought divorce would ever be. I would never think it would get this bad. Well, you've been building it for a long time. You've been working in that direction a long time. You With just haven't been conscious to it. That's in right. demand relationship. This is why we're trying to reverse this whole thing. It's like the frog in the water, right? Yeah. You know, you turn up the heat slowly, it doesn't realize it's boiling to death. And that's really what's happening. So you have to recognize that if you think I'm the provider here, so I get to say how this goes, you are really short-sighted. And I'm just gonna call it for what it is. I'm not gonna pull back for your own benefit. You're short-sighted and you're not seeing what's really happening around you. If you're not all working towards the win-win, you're definitely in a lose-lose. So keep that in mind. And men have assumptions about these topics as well, right? Yeah, and they're completely different assumptions as well, too, because we're wired differently. Like when it comes to the parenting or I am going to go to work and, and she's going to be the stay-at-home mom or, you know, we have a different perspective on that. Because we have a masculine model. I'll just give one example. We have a masculine model. In the masculine model, we're autonomous beings in general, and we take care of our stuff, right? We get our stuff done, and that's our responsibility, and we do that. And then if she's a stay-at-home mom, we have this belief that, oh, well, she's a stay-at-home mom, so she's got that covered. She doesn't need my support. And for me to get involved because I wouldn't challenge another man, like, like step in and take over his duties for him, that would be very confrontational for another man. So we would find that inflammatory. Like, what, you don't think I have my act together? I got this. Get out of my stuff. Screw you. (laughs) Right? We have a different model of the world altogether. So, you know, he thinks if you're the stay-at-home mom and that's your, I'm saying in quotes, air job, or in air job, job, (laughs) air quotes, air quotes role. (laughs) That's your air quotes role. There we go. Thank you. Um, (laughs) You know, that you've got that covered and you've got that handled and you're managing that. And he shouldn't be the one intervening instead of you saying, you know, no, I actually need your support. That's it's, right. It's a different model. There's so many pieces to That's this. Such a good one because I, I hear that as well a lot from people having parenting kerfuffles, like whoever's the stay-at-home mom, masculine or feminine. And please don't freak out. We're not trying to be sexist or any crap like that. First of all, there are very, very strong patterns. We work with tens of thousands of families. Yes, there are stay-at-home dads. There are more stay-at-home moms. I'm just telling you that I work with a lot of families. I don't really care who the stay-at-home parent is. It's just a really common dynamic. But it's another great example that even if you both work, like Paul and I both work full-time, And so it doesn't matter if you are a two income family, a one income family, it doesn't matter. If you care about your kids, which we all do today, parenting is pretty much a full-time gig and it needs a lot of time and attention. And so if there's an invisible assumption about whose responsibility it is to parent, and by the way, don't dismiss that we both work full-time, so we're both going to share parenting. Not everybody has that same assumption, just like Paul just said, like, hey, if you're a stay-at-home parent, then that's your gig. My gig is the work. Or if, hey, we're both working, but you said we could manage working and the kids, then I'm sure you're going to tell me how we're going to manage the kids. Like there is still an invisible assumption. I remember a mom telling me a long time ago when I first entered the workplace and I hadn't had kids yet and I was in corporate tax and she sat across the desk from me and she goes, just want to be really real with you. It doesn't matter if you work 60 hours a week and make a six figure salary. You just remember that 
that when you have kids, they're still your primary responsibility and you're still going to have to be the leader there. So just know that if you're up for the task, you can be partner here, but just make sure that you have the ability to handle both because it's going to be on your back. Now, you can tell what her invisible assumptions were. And it was just literally demand relationship playing out. It doesn't have to be that way. We all want to participate now. We care about our kids and we care about how we parent. But when these things are left to be invisible assumptions, you cannot know what your partner's perspective is until you start to see it play out. And when it starts to play out, it will bite you in the ass if you have not come to the table to co-create and co-design. And very often what we end up seeing is that when two conflicting perspectives meet in one household, we end up with a white knuckle grip tug of war. Yeah, that's that's it right there. So if you imagine that you've got your perspective and you're on one end of the rope and the other person has their perspective and they're on the other end of the rope, what happens when one person pulls hard on their side of the rope? Like they start to dig in on their perspective, like my way, my way. What happens? They put a lot of energy there. What does the person on the other side do? I have to match that. I have to pull just as hard and match that on this side. Even if that's not really what they started off with, they weren't that polarized on the topic. Suddenly now they're going to find themselves really polarized on the other side because they're like, no, 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 no. And they're going to keep pulling back. And then we just get into this tug of war, which can get really you know, extreme at some point. Just because something started off where somebody was pulling the rope, it didn't even necessarily start off that polarized, but this is how this thing grows. And now you're in a fight. You're not even sure why it's such a charged topic. You find yourselves fighting over simple little things, right? Who here, just wherever you are, unless you're driving, raise your hand. Did you ever find yourself wondering, why are we fighting about something that seems like such a minor topic? And this is such a heated fight. It started off with somebody pulling on the rope. And you decided to pull on the other side because you don't know any other model. You know, you hit the end of your skill set on this and you don't recognize that you're in a demand relationship model. And that's where it comes from. The tug of war, the white knuckle grip tug of war is literally a predictable pattern. They are pulling in the opposite direction. Listen to me in direct proportion to the intensity of the white knuckle grip that you have. Their intensity matches yours. So while you're standing there yelling at your partner to get on board with you and see it your way, and you want them to be more flexible and they're being so unreasonable, just stop and look at your white knuckle grip around your side of the rope. Release your grip and they can start to release theirs. Start collaborating and stop convincing. And you're not convincing anyway. You're just trying to convince. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, amen. So what's the solution? For all of these, whether it's parenting or money or household, religion, health, family of art, and all of these work, all these different things, what is the solution? The solution is alignment. Alignment. And what Paul and I are going to teach now is actual alignment, not the I'm throwing the word alignment around like a sound bite. And what I really mean is convince everybody to do it my way because I'm right. <laughs> I'm talking about real alignment which is legit, like real alignment. (laughs) That's the solution to this whole thing. Alignment is created. It's created explicitly, directly, through collaboration where everyone is heard. Now, this cannot happen in demand relationship. Demand relationship is the win-lose 
and the winner wins and the loser loses. And if you've ever been on the losing side of that, which if you've been in a relationship for more than a few hours, you have, it sucks. So it's not a long-term play. This can only happen when using relationship development, which is a win-win approach. Now, we created a set of tools for this process to give you the process for creating the alignment in a way that allows you to both be heard, both contribute, and together create something even better than you would have apart. And I just want you to get like, this will not accidentally fix itself. You will never just figure this out. No matter how great you feel your marriage is, you will 1000% guaranteed fight about these key topics in marriage and family until you have gone through a true authentic alignment design, meaning it's not just, okay, so we'll do this her way this time and we'll do this my way because like, this is really my area. That's really her area. No. See, people will throw words around like alignment, collaboration, teamwork, or other words, but what they really mean is convince, convince, convince them of your way, convince them, show them, oh, you need communication tools? So, okay, here's the communication tools to get them to see it your way, to convince them that you're right and they should do it your way. Like, that's pretty much everything else that's out there is demand relationship-based of convincing others why you're right and all the communication tools and all the other strategies are all about, okay, so nothing yet has worked for you to convince them. Let me tell you why this will work for you to convince them. It's or, all crap. Or compromise. Like literally convincing, you're convincing them comes down to somebody's going to compromise. And that to the Usually level, them. the degree to which they compromise is the degree to which you sort you've of, you failed. You've failed in this endeavor because they're not really on board. They're just like, whatever. All right, well, it's not worth me fighting this anymore, or yep. I'm not heard, so it's just not worth my time. Whatever the throw-in-the-towel response yes. is, that's really what that was. You didn't really win anything. You didn't actually build anything that's long-term. Again, it's a short-term approach where you think things are okay. But here's something else that I think you need to realize is let's look at the opposite perspective. Because a lot of people think, well, no, I am right. <laughs> and my, my partner is just so wrong on this one. And I get it. That's where you think you're coming from. And I would encourage you to open your mind a little bit. But here's something I'm going to show you on the other side of this. Why the short-sighted approach is also hurting you in other ways. So years ago, I used to be a consultant. And what would happen is I'd work with some really talented people. And we would all come to the table and we would have these challenges we would have to solve as a team. And we would sit down and different people had different strengths in different areas. And we'd all be at the table. And what would happen is we would start off and say, okay, so here's what we all agree upon are the facts of the situation. Like we'd, we'd lay out the facts. You know, each person would say, here's what I think we should do. You know, I would recommend X, Y, and Z. And here's how I see it, blah, blah, blah. And we'd lay out this concept of what we see is probably the right way forward and the best, most efficient way, you know, sort of to get this done, accomplishing the goals, things like that. And we'd feel really good about it because we'd prepare before we would get to that conversation. And then the next person on a team would talk and you'd see like their different perspective and some of it would line up. Some of it would actually contradict and say, actually, that's not a good idea. And here's why. And I can't tell you how many times in my own experience and I admire the team even more because of it. We'd have like five people at the table. They'd all have slightly different or sometimes substantially different perspectives on the same facts. And yet by the time we were all done, because all of us put in our own perspective, 
I'd often find myself saying, oh, yeah, you know what? They're right about that. I didn't see it that way on this piece. And then the next person would talk like, oh, actually, this is a better way. And it would shift the whole conversation because it's like, you know what? That's a great point. And we'd all say, yeah. And I think boom, boom, boom. And we come out with this amazing outcome that was solid. It was sustainable and it would work. It would work because it had already been vetted through the other perspectives and people were bringing different gifts to the table that had those perspectives. And our outcome was phenomenal as consultants because we really saw all the pieces and all the flaws through so many perspectives that we ended up with a really robust, better solution than any one of us at the table could have come up with, period. Amen. It was synergy. Synergy is greater than the individuals. You put them together and it's greater than the two pieces together could have created. It's something more and bigger. That's the power of real alignment, real collaboration. And then the funny thing about that dynamic too is by the time everybody was done talking, two things happened. One, everybody felt heard, right? We had our chance to be heard. Secondly, the outcome was greater than what we had envisioned initially on our own side. And it was solid and sustainable. That model works in any relationship. Most people don't entertain that model. Most people are trying to convince the other one and hold on to their side. But when you're really not thinking about yourself and you're thinking about the solution that we were trying to achieve as consultants for a customer who is outside of us, a separate entity, for the greater good of that entity, because that's really where everyone wins. It's the win-win, right? We all were working for the best interests of the other, and we came out with this solution. It was amazing. And the customer was happy and something greater than what the company could have done on their own, something greater than any of us as the individuals could have done alone, all benefited from that model of true collaboration, getting the synergies, getting that solid, long-term, sustainable solution that's already been vetted from people who bring different gifts to the table, which is always going to be the case. That's it. That's so beautiful. That is it. That's alignment. That's collaboration. That's co-creation. And you can do that as partners, as spouses in your marriage for your family. That's it. That's alignment. That's relationship development. Alignment is created. So if that's like you're listening to that story, you're like, oh my God, we need to be able to do that. Let me just tell you, there's a lot of charge when you attempt to do what you could do at work, like what Paul was just saying, in your marriage, in your family, with your money, with your children, because people are have a tougher time releasing their grip on their way because underneath your desire for how you want to parent your children is your fear that if they're not parented right, they will suffer. Beneath your desire for your belief about your way with your money is your fear that if you release that, you'll be destitute and homeless. So there are triggers that you have underneath every single my way that you bring to your marriage and your family. And that's exactly normal. That's totally fine. That's the way it's supposed to be. And the trigger should not win. Your family should win. And so if we stay stuck in demand relationship of protecting our way, then the trigger wins and the trigger lives on. But if we start taking the approach like the toolbox that Paul and I have, and and alignment is step four of our eight-step system, so module four in our programs and on our live event, when you reach for the tools in our toolbox, they're designed because we know this. We understand that when you start talking about parenting, 
you're going to have fears that if there's not enough discipline and there's too much coddling, my kids are not going to be prepared for life. Or when you talk about money, you're going to think, oh my gosh, if you spend everything, we're never going to have anything and we're going to end up losing this house. Like we understand that there's emotion behind it. But part of the tools, part of the roadmap to collaboration tool and the brick conversation tool and all the other alignment design tools that we have in our toolbox are to take you through talking about that with your partner so that everybody is heard, so that we can benefit from the other's perspective, so that we can solve whatever triggers that we have, so that we can do the kind of co-creation and collaboration that Paul was just talking about, but from an authentic place where, okay, this was a phenomenal opportunity because I've been carrying around this money mindset since I'm little and it's not serving me. And I'm so glad we went through this process for our family because the outcome of the synergy was bigger than the mindset that I brought into it. And so many other examples just like that, because we all have gifts to bring every time. Like Paul and I are polar opposites. Like we both have gifts to bring. I benefit all the time from Paul's perspective. He's the complete opposite. And I'm As sure it I. works the same way. Yeah, absolutely. So there's always going to be that outcome. When you start to recognize that the false belief that your way is the only right way and that everybody else in the world should see it your way. And if they don't, there's something wrong because there's actually a right way and a wrong way. When you can release yourself from that false belief, you'll actually start to open your, your mind to something far more greater than you because Amen. you really start to see those benefits, just like I would see at that table. Because there's you know, five, often, sometimes like 10 people literally in the same conversation, and each one brought something different. So you have to release that. But the other thing that gets in people's way is, you know, there's this feeling like if you don't see it my way, then you're not supporting me. That's another thing that trips people along the way we should talk about, which is, you know, this false belief that just because they didn't align with you on your, your way, your method, right out of the gate, you know, starting off, that they're just not supporting you. And actually they're in opposition to you in some way as a person or as in your relationship or what that means about you and your relationship all of this stuff starts to come up and it's BS. It's simply because you feel like your way has to be the right way and clearly they must see it. And if not, then they're just not supporting you or putting any other label on this than the fact that, hey, there's a need for some alignment conversations around this one because we see it differently. And those meanings start to get a life of their own too. And I just want to say that if you see it that way, that they're not supporting you in doing it your way and that's the problem, no. I'm just going to tell you flat out, that's not alignment. That's just you trying to convince them and putting a false belief around that, that again, there was this right way and they're just in opposition to you instead of in opposition to your perspective and that they see it differently. I see this all the time with entrepreneurs, actually, since we're entrepreneurs, we're yeah. in a lot of entrepreneurial communities. And a lot of times entrepreneurs were married to regular normal people who have jobs <laughs> and are not totally crazy like we are. And there's such a huge difference in perspective. And it's so sad to me how many times I see people who are entrepreneurs posting and saying, my partner is an employee and they don't get me. They're not supporting what I need to do to grow this business. And other entrepreneurs saying, drop them, leave them. You'll be better without them. Go make all your money. You'll show them. Like you can't stay with somebody who doesn't support you that way. Like it is so horrible. The demand relationship that's going on and people blaming their partner for not seeing it their way or not 
getting on the same page, which I use air quotes for getting on the same page, because when most people use the words getting on the same page, what they really mean is you come get on my page. And that's not alignment. That's convincing. It's demand relationship. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just going to point out here, this is such a good example, too. The people who are saying that in those posts, they actually had your best intentions in mind. They think they're actually supporting you. But when you have the blind leading the blind, you know, this is not their area of expertise. They're just reacting to what it is in their own life, right? So like, I don't have that support. So yeah, you should dump that person. Like seriously, people, the funny thing is they have the best of intentions for you, but they don't have the perspective or the wisdom in this area to be guiding you. So just keep that in mind. If someone tells you there's no other way, Stacey and I say this all the time, you've just run to the end of their what? Their skill skill set. set. We say that in every episode, and this is another example. So I just want to point out, look, these people had good intentions. It's not that people are trying to give you bad advice so you basically jump off a cliff you shouldn't have. What we're saying is it's that much off of everyone's radar that with the best of intentions, people are giving advice that is wildly destructive, and you need to be the filter. You need to be the one to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Does that make much sense to me? Like there's no possible way to fix this, that this person I love, that I have children with, whatever, I now have to cut out of my life because it's interfering with the way I run my business? Or is it that maybe you need a skill set here that you're lacking and neither one of you have it at the moment? Amen, amen. Just ask yourself the truth. Don't take my word for it. Look around. Yeah, so So, what is the truth? All right, so the truth is that you both bring gifts to the relationship. You both bring gifts to your family. Again, Stacy and I are polar opposites. And we're not just saying that because it sounds good. Like literally, <laughs> if you were to do assessments on us, you know, psychological assessments, you'll see that besides being masculine and feminine differences, I bring an entirely different approach to the same situation in almost everything that Stacy and I do. And that serves us both. As do I see the gifts that Stacy brings, because her, her perspective will stretch me too, where I'm like, wow, I let me try to wrap my head around this one because <laughs> I don't see it that way, and I'm very clear how I see it here. So instead of saying I'm right, this is where I get the gift because I get to grow from I actually do see that now. And over time, I actually start to understand it where I appreciate those differences. And, you know, we use the balloon and the string. If you look at a balloon, for example, a helium balloon, you know, left untethered, that balloon will fly off into the atmosphere and pop and be destroyed. And the same token, a string without a balloon is just garbage on the floor. It just lays on the floor. It doesn't do much, right? (laughs) You know, but the string and the balloon together create something really cool and withstand time. So Paul is my string. Without him, I'd fly off. And Stacey can be the balloon, which really stretches me outside (laughs) of what it would be rigid rules and structure and things like that. So together we get the gifts of both. And that's just one example of how we're opposites. So don't believe, again, this goes back to, I guess I picked the wrong partner. Because we're too or, different. Or they're not like me, or they're not an entrepreneur. Any Which we other, talked about in another episode. Right? Any other label you want to throw on that, you can. You're happy to throw whatever label you want on that, and I'm going to call it out because I care. I'm going to call it out that Amen. the moment you slap that label on it, you just shot yourself in the foot. Amen. Because now you have a story around why it's okay for you to be different from them and that they're wrong. <laughs> they're not. It's up to you to grow. It's up to you to evolve, and Amen. that's what this is all about. So anyway, you know, we designed alignment despite being polar opposites. We designed alignment in every aspect of our marriage, and it honors both of us. And the more you do this, the more you see that you realize, wow, this is such the great way. It doesn't become a challenge anymore. It's just because, again, people don't start off with a skill set. It allows both people to be heard. 
It puts both of our dreams into the design of our family and our future. It's a skill set and it can be learned. Absolutely. And once you start doing this, you can just tweak it over time. Like, because once you get the skills to do this, you can start doing this all the time. And trust me, once you design alignment around money, you have that for the rest of your days. Yeah, you'll tweak it now and then, but you design the alignment. Once you design alignment around parenting, you have it for the rest of your days. You can live out the day-to-day knowing, oh, the day-to-day is just us living out what we designed intentionally together once in a couple of hours, sitting down and doing this process. Like we designed it once and now we get to live in it forever. And it just it gets quicker and easier over time to make shifts and keep things moving once you do it one time. Or you can keep falling into the accidental alignment predicament day to day, struggling, trying to fight in the moment, trying to convince them, ranting and raving later about how they're never listening to you. This happened again. I'm like the pain of not doing this requires much more time and energy than the actual time and productive energy of doing this. When you design alignment, the accidental alignment predicament disappears. No more lack of alignment on parenting or family or work or any other topics that keep coming up in your day. Is it worth it? Well, you are worth it and your family is certainly worth it. All right, so we want some action steps, right? We always want to be able to, it's not, again, it's not about learning this cognitively. It's about doing something, yeah. taking action. Because if you don't show up differently, if you don't take action, nothing's going to change for you. Let's just call it what it is, right, folks? So let's do some action steps now. Let's take uh, some steps along the way. So step number one, notice. What are the accidental alignment predicaments that you're falling into? Start looking around to see where you're having some struggles and saying, am I falling into this accidental alignment predicament? What are the topics where you guys are not yet on the same page and showing up in your day on that as if you are aligned, right? So look for those opportunities for change here. Number two, prioritize. Prioritize what's the most important one of those that you want to start with first. Like pick something that you feel either it's the one that you're fighting about the most or the one that you feel has the most importance. Pick some kind of a priority. Pick one of those and start to take action on that. So the third step is take action. <laughs> Start using the tools and strategies from the relationship development toolbox to get to the win-win on this one topic in the next 30 days. Then you can take on the next one, okay? So like baby steps here. And then fourth, catch yourself. Even if you don't see these or you did Start being awake. Start being cognitive. Catch yourself. If you find yourself in a win-lose dynamic somewhere where one of you is getting your way and you feel the other one is losing, and it could be either way, stop yourself and get to the tools that you need to learn how to create that win-win because that's navigating life successfully. So if you're ready for these tools and strategies, like some of you I know are listening, you're like, man, I want that roadmap. I want the framework, the systems, the solutions. Like our relationship development toolbox is chock full of them. And you can start getting results today. You can jump into the Quick Start program, join Relationship U, whatever's a fit for you, we'll see you over there. Hey, if you got value from this podcast, take a screenshot of your phone, share it in social, spread the word. Every family deserves the freedom of these solutions. Rate and review our podcast. If you haven't gone in to 
iTunes to rate and review our podcast yet, please help us do that. That helps us spread this opportunity to more and more families because that is our mission to do that because together we are changing the way relationship is done. Hey, would you like to get big results in your relationships in just 10 seconds a day? If so, then subscribe to our daily inspiration for relationship transformers or the dirt at martinopodcast.com forward slash dirt.